Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want more information on my company, you can check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. My co-host tonight is Brad Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. If you want more information about his company and Carrie, his wife's company, you can check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. Our guest tonight is Emily Steen. She owns and operates Lady Luck Guide Service in Kentucky. Emily, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. How are you? I think we're all doing good, right, Brad? Yeah, we're doing good. It's kind of becoming fall all of a sudden. Yeah, it's still a little summer-like around here for one more day, two more days. Not uh, not summer, early fall. That's what it is right now for us. Emily, how's the how's the weather going down by you? It's finally started to cool down. It's been a heat wave here for a while. So it's finally, the water's finally fishable, luckily for everyone around here. Right, well, because for you guys, when the water temperatures hit 80 degrees, I would imagine you probably shut it down for a little while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as soon as it's 77 and above, I try to stay away from them. And then when the water temperatures cool back down, it we start back up again. What What is your typical season down there, Emily? I mean, I, I'm guessing you're probably starting out in end of February, beginning of March. I'll, I'll fish basically all year round. And when the temperatures hit, you know, 77 and above, I back off of them. I cancel guide trips and then try to rebook when the temperatures are better. Which sometimes, you know, with Kentucky weather, it's, you know, 90 degrees all day sometimes. So you never know when it's going to get back to normal, which it's finally happening. The, the days are a little cooler now, and it's not so hot all day long and miserable. So that's been nice. That's always nice, for sure. Why don't you give us a little background on yourself, Emily, and your guide service and how long you've been doing it, where you're fishing and things like that. And where, where people can find you, too. You mentioned off-air that we had an Instagram and a Facebook. Why don't you talk about that, stu- that stuff, too? Okay. Well, I started fishing when I was four. I was raised by my dad, and that's all he cared about. So if there wasn't a babysitter around, it's like, well, I'm, I'm tagging along. Yeah, pretty much in my family, that's the only thing that's really mattered was fishing. We're very, all this fish, besides my sister, but my little brother and me, we've that's just it's a family affair, I guess. I started guiding two years ago. I had a lot of people asking, you know, uh, I want to come fishing. I want to come fishing. And it's like, well, I guess I'll get my guide license. And then um, I've been musky fishing for about twelve years now. Seriously, growing up, we did a lot of bass fishing and crappie and things like that. And I loved the bass. I loved the smallmouth, largemouth. And then as soon as I caught my first musky, it was like. Yeah, I don't care about bass anymore. So I kind of gave up on the bass and started focusing solely on the muskie. And then starting my guide service, I was basically just looking for a way out of my current job. I've been in the dental industry for 12 years and just got really depressing. And a lot of opportunities would come my way that I couldn't take because in the dental field, you can't miss work. If you can't work, the dentist can't work. So it was, you know opportunities would come along and I'd have to turn them down. A lot of resentment in and um, can fish when I wanted to. The fish would be on and it's like, okay, well, this is where I want to take my vacation. Have a week off. I know, you know, what they're doing and that's when I want to fish. And I could never pick vacations myself. So sold my house and sold just about everything I owned and moved to Green River Lake so I could fish whenever I wanted, which hasn't been the case for the water's been so hot, but it's been the best decision I ever made. It's not been easy, that's for sure, but just before, you know, my alarm would go off and I'd 
oh, dread getting up and going to work and, and I have a guide trip. It's like, I'm up all night. I'm excited. I can't wake. I can, I can barely sleep. And then I wake up in the morning and it's like, there is no snooze. There is no waiting around. It's, I'm out of the bed. I'm excited about life again and just happy to be doing what I love. And there's nothing better than catching a muskie. But for me, just to watch someone else catch a muskie and the feeling they have and how happy they are. I just love that. It's, it's a great feeling. I went from, oh, I hate Dennis. I don't want to be here. This is awful to, oh, I'm excited. This is the best. So it's like a complete switch. And just it was always negative to now it's always positive. So it definitely takes a toll on you. And doing what I love now, it's just I have a new life. It just makes me excited about every day now. And like I said, it's not been easy. I try not to advertise before my guide trips because, like, I would rather have them on fish without advertising to the entire rest of Kentucky about where I'm catching my fish or them seeing the backgrounds and then seeing them there the next day when I have a guide trip. So I just, I've been actually posting less in order to give my clients a better shot. Because I'll see, you know, if I post something, all of a sudden, you know, we got 14 guys <laughs> on my spot, so... I've kind of been a little more secretive about it just to give my clients more of an opportunity to get on some fish without having so much pressure. And it's another reason why I'm originally from Ashland, Kentucky, and fish cave run a lot, but there's a lot less pressure at Green River Lake. And so that's why I kind of decided to, to move there. And also to guide at cave run, you have to have a forestry license, which only a couple of people can hold. So uh, moving to Green River, I had the opportunity to be my own boss and not have to work under anyone, which is really nice. I'm assuming then the guiding is pretty much the only thing now that's that's providing income for you? Uh, the majority of the time, yes. Um, like when the water's hot, I also have a painting business. So I'll just paint interior, exterior houses. And then I have also have another little side business that I don't advertise at all. That's just word of mouth usually. But it's a interior design, decorating. And like when people sell their house, I'll help them get it ready. But mainly just like I'll paint. It's a big change from salary payment for 12 years to, oh, I hope I get a job. You know, it's kind of living on the, flying by the seat of your pants, but it's freedom, freedom to do what I want when I want. And also, my boyfriend, I kind of pushed him to go after his dreams and, you know, start his own business. And that's when he started that painting business. He also works for a huge corporation, but he has that on the side. And so I'll do that. If I don't have any guy trips or it's too hot to fish, I'll do that. But we kind of had an agreement. I'll stay at this job that I'm not happy with, and you, you go after what you want, and if you don't get jobs, you know, I'll take care of it. And, uh, you know, we always had this agreement, you know, one day, Trevor, I want to go, and I want to start my own guiding business, and you you be the financer. You know, if I can't always make it, they'll help me. And so that was kind of the agreement we had, and it was just about having enough guts to finally go for it. My buddy John had passed away on Green River Lake. He was one of my biggest mentors. He taught me a lot about muskie fishing. And he passed away, and it kind of, I don't know, when someone dies, it, it almost wakes you up, and you think, wow, life's short. I'm not happy, you know, and that was my biggest push. You know, I, I decided, okay, this is it. This is kind of woke me up, and I was like, all right, and I put my house up for sale. And as soon as it sold, and I got out of there and started looking for places in Campbellsville for a week straight. I fished daylight till dark, and then for like a month, I just, I, I had a lot of money from selling my house, and I just fished nonstop. It got to the point where I was just looking for a giant, and I was shaking off anything under 40 or 
45, you know, anything under 45 inches, I was just not even worried about and, you know, shaking them off, not even getting them out of the water, taking pictures. And I ended up getting my personal best. So it was like everything kind of uh, worked out perfectly for me there. It was almost like, a, okay, I'm doing the right thing. This is what I should be doing. And then there's been a lot of times where I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't have anything booked or, you know, the water's hot. And I don't know how something always, I'll end up getting a painting job or, you know, it's like I've just been really lucky and fortunate in terms of it working out. It's definitely a lot more stressful sometimes, but in other ways I've been able to jump on opportunities where in the past I haven't been able, I just knew, well, I can't take that, I can't do that. Whether it be, you know, Kentucky Field wanting to film or um, Outdoors in the Bluegrass wanting to film an episode, and it was like, well, on the weekends I would only have, you know, two days of trying to get a pattern together or figure them out or, you know, get a game plan. It was just, it seemed to not be enough time. And now it's like I can fish for a week and be confident and say, okay, I'm ready to do this which I had everything planned, and then the water temps got really high, so I had to re- reschedule some things. But all in all, it's been, been a good choice. I feel really free with, you know, the, the choices I've made and being able to take opportunities as they come and doing what I love. is It's worth the stress and the not knowing and, I guess, the unknown of owning your own business. It's It's tough, but it's definitely experience. Certainly, Brad and I know all about owning our own businesses, huh, Brad? Uh, yeah, we know a little bit about that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not all roses, that's for sure. No. Um, man, you've you got a unique story, Emily. I, I think it's really cool. I'm going to guess, I mean, how about your dad? What's your dad think of this whole thing? He's, he's like Joe Jackson. He's very strict in terms of, like, he's the coolest guy in the world. Like, every single one of my friends that ever met him was like, oh my God, your dad's awesome. He's hilarious. He's the funniest guy you'll ever meet. And he's like super easygoing and just, he's like the best friend, dad, you know, just funny, fun to be around and all that. But everything changes when I would fish. So like he is the reason why I've, you know, done all this and why I've taken it so serious or, or why I've tried to be the best I can be is because he's very strict when it comes to fishing. So like every cast had to be perfect. Every figure eight had to be perfect. I wasn't working the bait right. I'm going to hear about it. You know, so like I said, he's like this super easygoing, hilarious, fun guy. But then when it came to fishing, he was extremely strict and kind of hard on me and pushed me to become the best I can be. And like even before tournaments, like he would call me and be like, you're ready to lose. And like he'll just get me riled up. He knows he knows how it works. And it's like being supportive doesn't really get me going. But he'll be like, are you ready to give me your lunch money? And it's like, uh, and every tournament I fish without him, I've won. But every tournament I fish with him, I lose. So he still has a way of getting in my head, but definitely um, the reason why I've gotten better and why I try so hard is, like I said, he's very strict when it comes to fishing. On and off the water, he's two different people. To me, like if he's with his buddies and stuff, it's, you know, he's yeah, and he's hilarious and joking around and everything. But with me, it's very, pretty serious. So, and that's another reason why I got my own boat. It was like, I'm old enough to know what I'm doing now. I don't need to be critiqued all the time. So I just got my own boat and started doing my own thing. And it really paid off, honestly. It's always a competition. We're always competing. I mean, he'll text me or call me and I'll be busy. I don't say anything. If he sends a fishing picture, I call him right away. It's like if I need my dad to call me back, I'll send him a fishing picture. And he's like, where'd you, where'd you catch that? Where'd you throw on? You know, so we were very competitive in nature, both of us. And my little brother as well. So we're all the time, all three of us, just like, what did you catch today? And, you know, 
roasting each other and making fun of each other. That's kind of, that's how we work. It's just uh, a bunch of friends, basically. But like I said, he really pushed me to be the best I can be in terms of working baits, everything, you know. Very hard on me when it comes to that, which has pushed me to be the best I can be. That's good stuff. Well, Brad, the, the part I like about the story the most, I mean, like you said, she has a very unique story, but the best part about the story is basically like, I, I listen to multiple podcasts and I listen to one guy in particular and he says like, basically, if you're if you're not happy in your current situation, then figure out how to make it so that your bills are less or you need less stuff or you're trying to impress other people less. And yeah. so basically she just sold it all and was like, yep, this is what I'm going for. Win, lose or draw, I'll figure it out. And that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a really cool story. That was terrifying. I mean, the whole time. Um, I even started meditating hardcore because it's like you can get in your head and sometimes people can be the worst enemy and that's 100% my, that's me. <laughs> like I'm just really hard on myself. And so, you know, you can think of a million reasons why it won't work, but I just, you get tired of, you know, not being happy or, you know, settling and that's, that's exactly what I did. And it was also a bit of an identity crisis too because it was like, that's what I've done my whole life. If I'm not doing that anymore, then, you know, I and mean, it's like, wait, nobody knows me for dentistry. You know what I mean? Like, this is not what I'm here to do. And it was just like a feeling of knowing. Like, when I was on Cape Run, I love Cape Run, don't get me wrong, but when I would come to Green River Lake, it was like, it was like this feeling. I just had like this gut feeling and like this intuitive feeling that like, this is where I need to be. This is, this is it. And also, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of at Cave Run, you've got a lot of other guys to compete with, pretty much. And here at Green River Lake, there's just not that many. There's me and another guy, so uh, musky fishing guys, at least. So there's not a lot of, you know, competitiveness in terms of getting trips. You know, it's just me and one other guy, musky guiding at Green River Lake, which is nice. And I don't have to, you know, socialize as much um, in terms of, like, when I'm fishing with a client or whatever. You know, I love almost fishing buddies and everything but at the end of the day i don't i don't want to take their time or their attention away from them talking to them on the lake all the time and at cave run it's like it's a party out there pretty much i mean you're gonna see so many people you know and everybody wants to stop and talk and like i just feel like that would that wouldn't be good for my clients i would rather give them 100 percent of my time and attention and not you know be socializing all the time on the lake which would be the case at cape run because that tend to be every time i would fish there it was it was always you know you see everyone you know on the lake. It was definitely terrifying. And just, I struggled a lot. I think in my younger years, it, I was very materialistic. And I wanted, you know, the nicest car or a big, nice house. I don't have any kids or a husband, you know, but I had to have this big house, you know, and the best furniture and all this. And, like, that was really what, how I was. It was very materialistic. I had a bit of a spiritual awakening. And I just realized none of this stuff matters to me. You know, there's people that I love and care about, and my dog I love and care about, but this stuff doesn't mean anything to me. It's holding me back, and that's that's the biggest thing I could. If I was to help anybody out and in terms of how they're thinking, it's like that stuff doesn't matter. That car doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The only thing that I care about things, like if it that is a people, is my boat. And, and my boat is important to me because it gives me the opportunity to do what I love. And other than that, I just don't care about, stuff anymore or having a nice house or and so I, I sold the house sold as much as I could I gave away stuff just to get it away and then I also wanted like had a bedroom I had three bedrooms and I even sold a bedroom set just to force myself because I know I am it's like 
23 bedrooms. Like I said, I had no kids. So it's like, why do I need three bedrooms? So I sold one of my bedroom suits or tried to, and then I just gave it away just to force myself, like, go smaller. Because what happens is, like, the more you have, the more it owns you. The more you own, the more it owns you. And that took me a long time to figure it out. But the less I have, the more, like, I paid off my car, I paid off my truck. You know, I don't have that much left on my boat. And now I have the opportunity. I don't have to work so hard because I don't have so many bills coming in. So, like, it's a whole new way of thinking for me. But, like I said, I think I struggled with, you know, wanting to obtain all these material things that brought me zero happiness. I mean, it would be like a fleeting you know, you get this new thing and it's like, oh, I'm happy. And then like a month later, it's like, yeah, I don't really care anymore. So I really learned, you know, stuff doesn't matter. I want freedom. And if you're owning a bunch of stuff, then you're going to have to work all the time to maintain that stuff. And to me, it just was not worth it anymore. And the only downside is like my credit went down a tiny bit because I don't have so much, you know, that I'm paying out. But to me, it's freedom. It's freedom to do what I want. When opportunities come along, I can jump on them doing what I love. Like I said, in the morning, every morning I'd wake up and I would just dread going into work. Like, oh my God, snooze, snooze, snooze. And then it's like, all right, I got to get up and do this. And I just remember like, I would meditate every day and try to get in like the right frame of mind. And then as soon as you go into work, every single patient you see is, I hate the dentist. I hate being here. This stuff is just negative energy all day long. And dentists have the highest rate of suicide. So you can imagine the assistants and hygienists don't get as paid as much as the dentist. So I doubt they're real happy about it either. I know I wasn't. So, and then with guiding or even just fishing, it's like, there is no snooze. You know, I'm up before the alarm goes off. I'm like anxious. Like I can't wait to get out there, like nervous excitement. And, you know, I've never experienced that before in any other job. So it kind of shows me, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is where I need to be. And it's hard, and a lot of times I feel like maybe they don't take me seriously because I'm a woman, or, you know, and it's easy to think that way, but then, like, you talk to, like, other guy buddies, and they're like, oh, no, it's not because you're a woman. They do that to me all the time. It's like, oh, thank God, it makes me feel better, you know, or, like, they'll postpone, or, you know, and you start to, like, wonder, oh, is it me, or am I, do they not think I'm good enough, or, for instance, if I, I'd, I'd try to film with a TV show and you know, I need all day. Give, give me the majors in the evening and in the morning, you know, first light, last light. That's what I need. And it was like, I'll, I find they want to give up and it's like, ah, is it me? And then, so a lot of things can go through your head. But at the end of the day, like I go by how I feel. It's a very intuitive thing. Like I feel good when I'm fishing. I feel good when I'm guiding. I feel good. Like that's where I want to be in life. And so I sacrificed a lot, a lot to get here. I lost a lot of friends along the way. A lot of them like to party or, you know, let's, uh, I've got a baby shower, my second baby shower, you know, so-and-so's this and that. And it's like, I only have two days, you know, to fish a week. And so a lot of times I, w- I would go and then there would just be resentment. It would be like, wait, I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. You know, I'm never going to, you know, ask you to postpone your dreams or goals. A lot of people go to school and I've never been like, well, you can call off school to go to this. It's like, no, that's your dream. And so, like, I try to I try to really tell people, like, hey, I need you to understand this is my college. So, like, three years before I became a god, I had it in my head that I wanted to do this, and I wasn't going to do it till I was ready. So, like, I would tell them, I, I, I've got school. This is my school, you know, and that's the thing is, like, time on the water is priceless. You, you, that's how you learn, you know, experience. They say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. I know I put in way more time than that, but a lot of times 
I think people didn't understand that this this is my goal. Like this is this is my dream. People will show you respect if you're going to school. If you're going to school for a job, but if you go after your dreams, it's like you don't get that same kind of respect. It's almost like they don't believe you or they don't care or it's not what they're doing so they don't understand. Like I said, I had to work, you know, every single Monday through Friday, and then I only had two days of fishing a week. So that was really important to me that I fished every every single weekend. And a lot of times I couldn't do that because, you know, I'd have a wedding to go to or a baby shower or this or that. And so I just, you know, had it in my head. If I move there, I can fish every day. And so that's, you know, it was a major, I need time on the water. And I think that's the biggest thing for anyone. You know, I hear a lot of guys on Muskie Flea Market, well, I've been fishing for five years and I've still not caught one. Well, how often are you fishing? Are you fishing one day a weekend? You know, it takes time on the water to learn anything. And so that was my biggest thing is I need to get, I need to get to the lake. I need to be able to do this more and I need to be able to practice every day. And so... I came, and then it got really cold, and so, like, the fishing's super hard when it's freezing. I still fished every day, and then then it got to where it was just, like, I think it was so flooded in the winter, like, most of the ramps were closed. So, I moved a year ago here, and, like, it's been a, it's been the worst weather we've had since, you know, I started fishing. Like, it's, I haven't been able to spend as much time on the water as I'd like to. So, I'm hoping next year the weather kind of figures itself out and it's not so crazy because at one point like I said the water was so high that we couldn't even there were all the ramps were closed so it was always like something it was always something like I had to figure out like okay well can't fish now because of this and it was always something going on and so I'm just really excited about the weather getting better and being able to fish when I want you know and getting out there and learning because that's the main thing, and that's what, like, I try to push to everyone, try to get them to understand, like, I, I've got to put my time in, you know. Same thing with school or anything else, you've got to put the time in. you got to study. you got to figure out, you know, a game plan, and that's what I've been trying to do, and it's just been one weather thing after another, so I'm praying that everything gets a little better. And like I said, right now it's it's been it's been better, but we've got we need rain really really bad, and we've not gotten any rain, so the water it's it's harder right now. But it's I'm still catching them, but not like not like it should be this time of year, just because we haven't had any rain and it's been tough this year. But it's been an unusual season all the way around, even in the north here. Really? Yeah, it really hasn't been like the best season I've ever seen. That's for sure. So, I mean, I think we're all kind of in the same boat this year, honestly. Mother Nature always puts its twist on you, that's for sure. They can have any of my rain they want anytime they want, Brad. I think I've seen plenty. I'm about tired of it. I think, uh, well, I planted grass in August. I never once had to break out a hose, you know, not one time. Didn't have to do it. My grass is, my my new grass is nice and green. Didn't have to plant it, or didn't have to water it one time. That's how much rain we've gotten. I think September was a record, and... I don't know. Well, this weekend we're calling for a rain, but it's going to probably turn to snow because it's only supposed to be like 32 degrees around here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to winter. I know that. I don't have it so bad, then. I take back everything I did because that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> yes, yeah, awful. It's not looking good, that's for sure, for uh, for all of the Northland, the way it's looking right now. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see what what mother nature has in store but uh, unfortunately it looks like fall is going to be here soon so 
that's probably a good thing for you though, Emily. A little cool down. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's been nice, but it's so crazy in Kentucky. I mean, one day it'll be ninety, and the next day it's like sixty. So it's just it's crazy here. But it it has it has gone a lot cooler, and it's it's been a, I've been able to fish and and reschedule guide trips now, and so that's been great because I, I had to you know push them way back, and and then I can't give them a date because I don't know when the water temps are going to be safe to fish. So that's been kind of difficult, and you know, learning that just all of it, you know, it's, it's new to me. So it's, it's definitely not easy in Kentucky to be a guide. I'll say that a hundred percent. I talked to a lot of big Kentucky guides here before I went about it. And every one of them said, you know, this, this can't be your only avenue of income. It's just not, it just doesn't work that way in Kentucky. And so I knew that I was highly aware of that. And that was stressful, but I also, like I said, I've got other avenues of income that I can, you know, explore if need be. So I'll paint, I'll do whatever I need to do to make it. But it was just like, well, I can't let that stay in my mind and be the only thing I think about because maybe it didn't work for you, but it might work for me. And, you know, that's not been the case so far, but I've also not been advertising. Like I said, I try to give my clients a better opportunity instead of getting likes on Facebook or Instagram. I'm worried about likes on the client trip you know what i mean i want i want them to catch a fish more than i want someone to say hey nice picture you see what i'm saying so it's, it's been definitely like a difference in the way i work so i used i was very consistent since i started fishing you know like 10 years ago I, i've always had a fish a fish a week pretty much that i would post you know that i had and it's it's not i don't do that anymore and so a lot of people said well oh like if i post a picture or anything or like so a lot of times i'll just do release videos because you can't see where i'm at or you know and it's not about i don't worry so much of like people my dad for instance he's like you're advertising and you've got all these idiots down here and it's like well there you go dad i mean it's not easy to catch monkey you can show them what to use everything they still probably won't catch anything but in the back of my head when it's comes to clients you know i want to give them the best opportunities that i can provide and that is not advertising to the world that hey i'm on them you know what i mean i want to i want to give them the best shot that i can i am going to try and advertise more or post more but at the end of the day like october i'm I'm pretty booked up every weekend's booked up except one now and that's this coming weekend so that's good and that's that's been a first um i'm not gonna pretend like oh yeah i'm rolling in it and I've just been doing great no that's not the case this is Kentucky and that's just how it goes here and a lot of people said you know if you want a guide full-time you need to travel and this that and other and it's like I still want to spend time with my dog and my boyfriend so I don't really want to travel to guide I just want to suck in all the information I can on Green River Lake and be the best guide I can be for now here and that's not saying in the future that thinking about getting my captains and guiding at Cumberland as well for striper and smallmouth but that's in the future I still really I'm really obsessed with muskie so if I was to do that then it would be just solely a money thing so I kind of tend to go with where my heart is and that's muskie I've never experienced the species that made me feel the way that muskie does so I would rather focus on that you definitely sound driven and uh, I can appreciate that and I think you know, in time, from what I'm hearing right now, you're definitely on the right track, Emily. Oh, that means a lot to me, and I'm really happy to hear that. Thank you. 
I mean, if you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out, you know? And right. When, That's exactly. When, I, when my wife and I started Muskie Mayhem Tackle, um, I had a really good job. And so did she. She originally, um, <laughs> she needs her sleep. So when we bought Eagle Tail and we started tying Eagle Tails and we just got bombarded with orders, it, it really became tough because we were getting like three to four hours of sleep a night trying to work a day job, plus trying to build tackle, plus I was guiding. Um, Absolutely. And so two months into it, she had to quit her job. I I basically tried to provide for us and let the business grow. And from there, it kind of became apparent. My date book kept getting fuller and fuller and fuller to the point where I'm like, I'm either going to have to start calling clients and canceling, or I'm going to have to quit my real job. And that's what I, I ended up doing. And my mom and dad were like, what are you doing? And you know that's how all parents are. Exactly. In yeah. the back of in the back of my head, I told them, "Worst case, I'm working at the gas station part time." You know, right? And that's, exactly. That's how I looked at it, and you've got that spirit. So I, yeah, I see you doing nothing but going forward and straight up. Well, I appreciate that, and that means a lot to me. And I really needed to hear that more than you know. I think what everything you just said is like really important and especially for people listening in, you know, you have to understand that when when you work for a company, you know, you're living for someone else's dreams and you could spend the rest of your life working for someone else's dreams or you could, you know, go after your dreams. And it's going to be harder because sometimes you put in, you know, let's say 40 hours a week at your job, but you need to come home and you need to put in work on your own dreams or else you're spending the rest of your life working for someone else's. And so what, a lot of people don't understand is that the the whole, you know, going after your dream of, of your own business or whatever it is, you're going to spend 90 hours a week on that dream versus the 40 hours and you're putting money into the business. So there's so many sacrifices all around, time, money, everything. But, you know, the end goal is this is all going to pay off one day. And so, you know, all my money, every ounce of my money has gone to fishing, it's gone to guiding and it's gone to making this dream come true and you know i'm just waiting and I, I read a bunch of motivational things and you know they they all say like you know you just got to wait on your timing or you know your year or you know you can work five years and you feel like nothing and then all of a sudden you know it can happen and so i'm kind of waiting on that like oh i hope it happens soon but like i said it's an ego thing too because I, you know, I had this good job. I was on salary. I never had to worry about anything. I could buy whatever I wanted, you know, and it was, you know, uh, an ego thing. Like, look at all my stuff and this and that. And it was like, I'm not happy. And so I just gave it all up. But like I said, I had like this crisis, like this identity crisis, like, okay, who am I now? You know, what do I do now? And it kind of messes with you. But at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't happy and I want to go after what I want. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to do that. I've got a supportive, you know, boyfriend and I don't have kids and, you know, that's been, I've been strategic with everything I do. And even like when I had the house, I knew, you know, I want to put in hardwood floors. I want to put in granite countertops and, and Trevor would be like, why are you spending all this money on this stuff? But in the back of my head, I knew, I know I want a big chunk of income when I sell this. So like everything I did was strategic. So like, instead of spending money on vacations that, or you should do, you know, you should spend your money on experiences, not things. And that's something I learned along the way. But at the time, you know, I sacrificed. I didn't have a vacation. I never, I haven't been on vacation in seven years because I would rather be at the lake learning. 
you know, because, yes, I would like to go on vacation, and it's important to do that. You know, everybody needs that me time and that, you know, relaxation and all that, but I don't have that ability. I, I need to work on my craft. I need to be efficient. I need to be, you know, figuring out things, and that's what I did. So I sacrificed seven years of vacation. Every vacation I have, I spent on the lake. I've not, you know, done any, and, and then I've had a couple vacations, and then that's the Tennessee or, you know, somewhere else musky fishing. So, like, I've sacrificed a lot, but I also, you know, I'm waiting for that payoff. But even if it doesn't come, I'm happy. And so that's like, you know, my dad, and like you said, you know, your parents are like, no. And that's that's what a loving parent, you know, that's what they do. They want to make sure you're okay and you've got to make it. And But they don't always see, hey, um, they'll say, oh, are you married or do you have kids? They don't ever say, are you happy or what's your job? They don't say, but are you happy at your job? You see, so a lot of people... They look at the materialistic aspects or, oh, well, you're making good money. Don't leave that. Like my dad, oh, don't quit that job. And like, you don't want to quit that job. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that. And it's like, you go work it then. <laughs> you know, like you see if you like it. No, I'm going after what I want. And that's the thing is like, they love you and they want what's best for you. But at the end of the day, you know what's best for you. And you can, you know, spend your life working for someone else or you can go after what you want, mom. And that's what I chose to do. And it's not been easy, but it's been worth it. And if I had it to do all over again, I'd do it again the same way. So, Brad, when it comes to musky mayhem tackle and pretty much every other business that you run, I think they said that entrepreneurship is the only thing is are the only people that will work eighty hours a week to avoid working forty hours a week. It pretty much applies to all of us, I think, right? Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, um, yeah, owning your own business isn't always a cakewalk, but there's some no. good benefits to it too, as well. <laughs> It's extremely demanding. And, you know, Carrie and I took a vacation for the first time in like three or four years. We did it over 4th of July this past summer. And then we spent about two months trying to recoup from that four days that we took off. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, there's this misconception that Musky Mayhem Tackle is this huge conglomerate. It's me, my wife, my brother-in-law ties for us full time. And then it's my in-laws and my parents help quite a bit, too. And we have one other lady that helps us. So it's, wow. it's, it's a family affair, if you will. And right. there's this misconception that we're this huge company. That That's what I thought. Yeah. People think we're built in China. They think, no, it's all <laughs> done right here in Minnesota. So I don't know. We sacrificed a lot to, to do what we're doing. We do definitely love it. There's times when you go, wow, what did I get myself into? That's for sure. Right. I, I wouldn't change it. By any means, I, I still love walking out to the shop every day. Freedom and working for yourself, even though, like you said, you work 80 hours versus 40 hours. But there's freedom in knowing that you're you're working for a passion and you're driven, you know, whereas when you work for other people and they don't care about your time or, you know, you've seen, you know, countless things on Facebook. You know, if you die today, you're replaced. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, but when it's your own business and you have that drive and that passion, you know, it, it, it means more to, and it's like I said, it's, it's a reason to wake up in the morning for me. I dreaded getting up. And now it's like, like I said, I can get up before the alarm goes off. It's like my body knows it's like, okay, it's go time. Like, and I'm excited. And like, just, oh, when it was this, I was like, oh, I don't want to go. And just, I had to meditate to get in that frame of mind to deal with the negativity and to deal with just you know, not working for yourself, all that. And now it's like, I just can't wait. I can't wait to get up in the morning. 
I can't wait. I'm excited and like I can't wait to meet people and I'm an extreme introvert. Like a lot of people don't know this about me because my social media seems like I wouldn't be, but like I don't socialize that much. So that's how I get my socialization is just like the clients, you know, that's when I hang out or, you know, I stop hanging out with friends. I stopped, you know, you don't have time for that when you're working on your goals. And I love my friends and, and the ones that I've had since I was seven years old, for instance, they understand and they support me and they love me, but I lost a lot of acquaintances along the way um, because they don't have the same, you know, mindset that I have. They're going to school and they want to work for a corporation or they want to work for a hospital or, you know, and it's not, it's not the same dream and it's not the same understanding. And so then you'll have a lot of people tell you, oh, you should do that. You've got a good job. And, you know, like we talked about, but I think we all know what's best for us. And you can go based solely off how you feel about life. You know, if you're not happy, change something, like you said. And it's terrifying, but if you make that leap, and sometimes it doesn't always pay off, but, you know, failure, I think of failure as a stepping stone or like stairs. You know, every time you fail, you're one step closer. Okay, well, that didn't work. You know, you're learning. And if you're learning every failure, then it's worth it. If you're not, then maybe it's not for you. But, you know, it's it's definitely not for me. It hasn't been, oh, I've made it. You know, it's it's a gradual and, you know, I fell. I remember the first time. So every trip I've at least shown people musky, you know, whether it's been a follow or whatever. But I remember the first trip I had. And it was like the most important, like, guy, like, he he wanted to book a lot of trips and da, 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 and just super nice guy and I didn't show him a fish and I remember just like going home and feeling like worthless and like oh my god what I get myself into and then it's like wake up this is musky fishing like this is how musky work like this isn't you know and so that kind of took a toll because failure you get better at it as you fail more I guess you know so like my first trip that was extremely hard my second trip's like you know this is how musky works this is how, how it goes you know I cannot guarantee you a fish. And I even tell all my clients, like a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, it's great fishing right now, and it's not. Or, you know, it's been hard. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm all over them. I'm very honest. And that, that hurts me a lot, I think. Um, but I'll tell them, oh, no, I, it's been tough right now. And I'll let them know, you know, if you want to cancel, you can, but I think we should go for it. You know, things can change. Every day it changes. Weather conditions, the wind, or, you know, so to me it's like well we should at least try but i'm i'm honest to a fault sometimes i think that gets me in trouble i definitely i've definitely gotten used to failure i guess you could say in terms of when i don't put someone on fish or they for instance i did it's like okay here's your shot you've hooked them and then they get off and then so that's like a oh and you can feel like i don't know it's like oh what can i have done differently and it's just like no you know that's just how it goes can't beat yourself up but it's helped me to be a better person it's very humbling to fail it's very humbling to know oh my gosh I didn't put them on a fish and then they and then when they book the next trip it's like wow that that means a lot to me I I don't know if I would have so you know I appreciate that but it's taught me a lot in terms of learning how to fail because that's been tough one of the things that I think people regret to remember when it comes to musky fishing is is muskies are the hardest fish in the world to catch. I don't care who you talk to, different people that have traveled around the world. I've been fortunate to fish with Larry Dahlberg. Larry Dahlberg has told me, I've asked him straight out, what is the toughest fish in the world to catch? He's he's fished for everything, right? Mm-hmm. He says that there's other fish that are harder to locate, but once you locate them, you can catch them all day. And when it comes to a muskie, you can locate them all day, but you can't make a meet. 
And so exactly. I think there's a lot of times people forget how hard these fish are to catch. You know, the neat thing about failing on a daily basis, because um, I've done it multiple times, you're not alone. You know, <laughs> when you fail, you still learn something. And, and exactly. it's all, all the little details. And I think in one of our very first podcasts, I talked about musky fishing being kind of a puzzle. And, Absolutely. you know, as you're developing that puzzle to be able to put all those pieces in order, I've been doing it a long time. And the neat thing about it is that I'm still learning. I think if I wasn't learning today, I'd probably shift gears and, and do something different. So you're I, absolutely that, right. That's the beauty of muskies. It truly is. If you're not learning, you know, I, I just say hang it up because that's that's the main thing. And that's that's with life, not even fishing. That's in life in general. I believe we are solely put here to learn lessons. And I think we're tested a lot of times. And, you know, that's the main thing is learning, learning every day. If you're not, you're dead. You know, that's just, that's what we're put here to do is to learn, to grow and evolve. And that's what musky fishing is. And so the failures, there's so much you could take away from it. You know, this didn't work. And I, and journaling. So like, uh, not so much have a journal, but like I'll put things down, like, okay, this date, or like even on Facebook, I'll have memories pop up and I'll be like, oh, I remember that day. That was, you know, this and I was throwing this and the conditions were this. And, and you kind of like you can put a pattern together. And if, if it's not like this year, unfortunately, like you can't go off, you know, you can't fish in the past in terms of this year because everything has been so messed up. Like just the weather's been wild, but definitely musky. I mean, you can learn from your failures. And if you don't, I remember, you know, when I first started, one of my buddies was like, I was like, well, I hate muskie. And they were like, well, what'd you learn? And I was like, not to go fishing. So, you know, your attitude definitely has to change. Like, what did I learn today? You know, what what can I take away from this? And what can I do differently the next day? And just, that's another thing with time on the water. When I was fishing, just only had two days to figure something out. Versus now, I can go every day, you know, if I want to, or the conditions are right, or, you know, I have a guide trip I'd like to fish, you know, a week before or even three days before and try and figure something out. But it's definitely a learning experience, and it's a challenge. Um, I've never fished for any other species. It's been such a challenge, like you said. You know, this is it is definitely challenging. And sometimes, like, I'll have people that have never fished for muskie. And, like, I had a kid one time. One of the clients brought a kid, and, and he was, you know, just like, this sucks. When are we going to catch one? And I'm just like, ugh. With an attitude like that, probably never, but whenever I explain to them, like, this is how musky fishing is, it's almost like I feel like they think I'm making an excuse. And so what I'll do before trips, if, if they're not a seasoned, you know, musky vet, I say, look, do your research. You know, just Google musky. That's all you've got to do. Google musky. And they, it will tell you right then, one of the hardest species to catch. So that right there, you know, lets them know, like, this isn't easy. This is why you need a guide. And, you know, before you spend all that money, on you know the rods and this is an expensive game let's start there we all know that if you don't have money you probably don't want to get into musky fishing or um they say well um get them hooked on fishing they'll never get addicted to drugs oh 100 percent. you won't have money for anything else <laughs> but you know people, <laughs> people don't understand like it's not easy there's nothing easy about musky fishing and before you buy you know the boat the rods and reels the expensive net you know, the expensive bait, uh, get a guide, you know, they'll teach you things. And so, uh, I remember my dad saying, if I ever got a, if I ever had to pay for a guide, that's the day I quit. And I was like, that's not a good attitude to have because you can learn from every single person on this earth. 
about fishing or not. Like, there's something that someone could teach you that you don't already know. But if you have a closed mind, you'll never learn anything. So it's important to, you know, a lot of people also, I see a lot of hate in the musky community where they hate on each other. And it's like, no, these are, these are people I admire. These are people I look up to. They are inspirational to me, and I appreciate them. And they're like, well, yeah, he does this, and so-and-so believes that. And it's like, well, that's none of my business. You know, I can learn a lot from this person. And so that's like take away, you know, there's a lot you can learn from anybody. And that's the thing about musky fishing. I would absolutely get a guide before you decide to, you know, buy all the gear, buy a boat, all that stuff. You can learn a lot from it that way. Oh, hands but down. a lot of people say, that's expensive. That's expensive. And I'm, I'm, I think, I want to say I'm the cheapest in Kentucky. So I'm like, oh, well, you're more welcome to get someone else if you want. They'll be back. I don't think they understand that. Buy a reel. You're, you're going to spend more money on that reel than, than my guide trip. You know what I mean? So it's an expensive game. And you, you can't learn it all on your own, you know. You, it helps to learn from other people. You you can't think you know it all because you will get nowhere that way. It took me years to get my dad to believe me. Like this bondy thing is serious. Like you need to be bonding. I mean, it's so much fun, and and the hook sets are like no other. It's like the most powerful hook sets. I mean, it's just a different ball game, and it works. And he's like, oh, I couldn't sit there and play with those bondies all day. And then one day I was like, all right, Dad, just come with me this one day and do it. And he was like, oh, this is stupid and just, you know. And then I caught one, and he was like, damn, this works. And so it's almost like with certain people you have to prove it to them, like, try this. And with musky vision, it's not like, hey, this works, and you know how they are. So it's like, oh, today they aren't biting at all. But that doesn't mean that this technique doesn't work. You see what I'm saying? So I just think that we can learn so much from other people. But a lot of even the bigger names, they're like, well, I know what I know. I don't need your help or come into my lake to film. And I, you know, they're like, um, what do you think I should do? And I tell them, and then they, they message me back the next day and they're like, uh, I didn't catch anything. And I was like, what'd you do? Where'd you go? And they're like, Oh, I didn't do anything you told me. And it's like, okay, then you clearly don't need my help. You don't need to talk to me. So that attitude, I don't think gets you anywhere. And so like when you look up to people or when you, you know, admire other people's hustle or, you know, I, and that's how I am. I, I looked at, I don't look at these people as competition. I look at these people as teachers, honestly. You know, there's people that know more than you, or even if they don't, you know, they have other ways of doing things that you can learn from. And a lot of people think, well, I know everything. I don't need to listen to him, or he doesn't know, or they talk over people. And I think that's no way to, you know, learn anything. My thing is just be open-minded when it comes to musky fishing and open-minded to learning in general, because if you're not, you know, you're going to do things the way you've always done them, and I'm pretty sure that's insanity. You know, if you don't, you get the same result, and you're, you know, trying to change things, but you don't change anything, you know, there's no sense in that. So I try to learn everything I can from people and have an open mind, and I'm never negative. Like I see online all the time, people lip grips or a vertical hold, or you see all these people going in on people, and I've always found that to be the exact opposite of how you should go about it. So you tell them, hey, great fish, congratulations. And then maybe go to their private messages and say, hey, I noticed you're holding them like that. You're going to get roasted online. Let me help you a little bit next time you post. But when you come about it like in a hateful way, what I found, and this is this is me telling people, you know, nicely what to do and then watching someone else be mean to them, like the Amish, they kill all the muskie here at Green River. They Everyone they catch, they kill and they put in their cooler. And I've had all my buddies be like, go off on them and all that and I'm not like that you know I'm like hey you know they don't reproduce here if you could let them go 
if you like musky fishing, then you need to let them go. You know, that's your future of musky fishing. And they're not always going to listen. But if you use hate, then they're going to kill those musky and throw them on the, at the ramp so you can see them. You see what I'm saying? You're only making the problem worse. And if there's one thing I could tell everyone is stop doing that. Stop attacking people. Stop attacking beginners. You know, they look up to you and then, like, say, you, they may think you're the most great thing in the world, then you treat them like garbage. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, screw this. I'll just kill them all. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to go about things the right way. And I see a lot of hate online. Like, it's it's like it's like high school a lot on Muskie Flea Market. I'm sure you all <laughs> noticed. Like, it's just drama. That's why Brad doesn't even go on Facebook at all. He stays away from all that stuff as much as he can. Exactly. I don't post That's... on Muskie Flea Market at all. I don't, I don't comment. Um, if someone's getting destroyed and everyone's being mean to them, then I try to, I'll leave a nice comment because I, I've, I've been there. You know, when I first started, I'd hold the smaller fish vertically. I didn't know. You know, I I had no idea. And so I got mercilessly bullied. I mean, to the point of like, oh my God, I just keep, it was nonstop. And I could handle it because like, I'm used to that. You know, if I did do something wrong with my dad, he'd let me know. And it was, you know, so, so I'm kind of used to that. But it, it's hard on people that aren't used to it. And some people can't handle it. And I just believe that we can go about things in a better way and a more educational instead of bashing them. And you get a lot of better responses if you're good to people instead of treating them like garbage. And so that's the one thing that I think a lot of people should stop doing. And I know you think you know everything. And, like, obviously they are holding the fish wrong and all that. But there's no sense in, in being hateful and mean. And here's the thing. They've got 500 hateful comments. You're putting 501 hateful comments? That's something I don't understand, you know. You're a broken record. You're beating a dead horse. Let it go. You understand? He's gotten the point. Let's let's now build him back up. Like I'll say, you know, water off the duck's back. You know, this happens in the musky world. Don't let it get to you. Just keep trying. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, inspiration for these guys who never caught them. We're supposed to be helpful and teachers and someone to look up to, not someone that makes them feel like crap. You know, I just. That's always been my thing. Is I, I hate that about the musky world. If that's there's like one thing I change about the whole musk drama, that's it. Just how we go about things. There's a lot of great, like really great guys out there that are nicer and try to inform them in a nice manner. But there's a lot of people that are just hateful and mean, and I don't believe in bullying people to the point of them killing musky because that's happened a lot. Like I've seen, you know people kill muskie and put them on a deadhead like they had a bass tournament and they're saying oh the muskie ate all which we all know that means you just can't fish anybody that says the muskie's eating all the wall or all the bass that just means okay we know that you can't fish because anytime you got to blame others especially another fish that's your own problem but if we come about it in a better way i think we get a lot more accomplished and a lot more respect from the person that's doing something wrong i just I know that for a fact. I've seen it happen. I've seen people kill muskies. You've seen the videos online where, you know, people are bashing them in the head. And just and it's because of the way other people talk to them and ignorance. So if you come about it in a way that you're trying to teach them and help them, I think you would get a lot more accomplished than just being hateful. And that's one thing I wish that, that would change. And I've, I've tried my best. Like when, when it's some of my buddies that do it, then I'll, I'll private message them and I'll go in on them like, hey, look. You know, this doesn't work. It's, it's never worked. You've got to come about it a different way. And then I'll watch them do it differently. And that makes me, you know, feel really good about the future 
of how we're acting online. You know, that's just, I just hope that that, that changes. That's the one thing I hope changes in the musking industry is just we start being nicer to the beginners and helping them instead of bashing them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Brad and I had a conversation about that on a podcast, uh, I don't know, probably five, six episodes ago. We kind of talked about online and how, like the, you know, the pros and cons to it. And we kind of mentioned how people act online. They, I feel like sometimes they act like they wouldn't necessarily, they, they say stuff online and they wouldn't say those kind of things to somebody in per, you know, in person. As a female guide, as a female guide, how were you accepted into the musky community? I'm sure it took you, I'm sure that there's certain people that maybe question whether or not you're capable of doing what you're doing. Clearly, based on your passion and track record that we've seen tonight, you are. I'm sure there was certain people that were definitely skeptical. Have you kind of broken that barrier down or is that something that's still out there? In like with your clients, are the majority of them males or the majority of them females? Uh, Majority are male. Absolutely. Before guiding, um, really just just being a female in any male-dominated industry, they're going to, you know, there's the memes and, like, everybody's making fun of, like, oh, there's the hot girl that doesn't know anything about hunting, but she's going to tell us how to hunt, and she's sponsored and all this. And I see that. I, I understand that that is a fact, you know. There, there are a lot of girls out there that take their clothes off, and they're not taken seriously, and that's because they're using sex to sell things. I've never done that. I, I don't believe in it. but. From the beginning, like since I started, there's been men that say, you know, you're a joke. You're holding your uh, boyfriend's fish. And my favorite thing is I've never dated a musky fisherman in my life. I made a musky fisherman. I made a musky fisherman out of my boyfriend. He didn't, he never musky fished before me. So I taught him everything he knew. And so I'll still have a lot of guys say, oh, is that bigger than your boyfriend's personal best? And it's like, um, he's my protege. So let's, let's get that straight real quick. So, yeah, there's, it, that's always been that way. So before guiding, you know, it's, it's always been, what fish? That's the one I get all the time. What fish? I don't even see a fish. And it's like, uh, you better see the fish because I've spent, oh, I don't know, $30,000 and uh, my entire life and I'm covered in bug bites and, you know, just everything I've sacrificed. And then for some man to say, what fish? I don't see a fish. All I see is you. It's like, oh, bar. You know, like, because everything I've done, all the sacrifices I've made, the time on the water, you know, just everything. And then for them to, you know, so that I get that a lot. But the main thing, the, the main thing, and, and this is hard because, so I'll get a hundred comments and it's just like, great job, just support. There's nothing but support. Super great guys that I'm so grateful for and thankful for because it doesn't, they don't know how much it does mean to me. Just the nice fish comment. You know what I mean? It means a lot to me. And then you'll get two comments. They're like, saying things I wouldn't even say out loud, you know what I mean? And it's just like, we tend to focus on those two comments instead of the hundred comments that are positive. Water off the duck's back, you know? So every time I I hear things that are just awful or like, oh my God, Paige, I had this redneck guy, like my personal best, and he said, that's photoshopped, you idiot. And I was like, oh my God, really? (laughs) And I was like, um, at Lady Luck Guy Service, we have videos of all of our releases. And <laughs> I just like try to be positive, but I want to be like, you're an idiot. My hand is this other gill plate. Because they're like, that's Photoshop. Where's your hand? And it's like, oh, Jesus. But yeah, so you, I do have that. But I also have a lot more support than I do negativity. Most of the guys that I'll book, their first question is, um, how do you deal with men? Like, how do you deal with them? They, they all ask that question. Do they believe in you or do they, you know? And I've really had all positive trips, great experiences, besides one. So out of all the trips I've taken people on, there's only been one that was just like, 
oh, God, bring me the dog. I need, I need my Doberman here now. Bring him here, put him on the boat. You know what I mean? So <laughs> other than one trip, it's all been great. So, And I can take that one trip, like I said, the 100 comments that are positive versus the two that are negative. You know, we tend to focus on the negative instead of all the positives. So same thing with guiding. I'll have one trip where they treat me like a piece of meat versus all the other trips where they're respectful and intelligent and good people and want to learn from me or do what I say. I do have problems with that, I'd say. My biggest problem is uh, in my head I'll think, oh, this is because I'm a female. But if I talk to anybody else, so like Matt Gunkel of Lungeon Lures, he's helped me a lot like in terms of, oh, no, that happens. That's, that's normal. And, you know, he's helped me a lot to realize, okay, this isn't a female thing. This is a guy thing. Because I'll feel like, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. Like, that's all, all I want them to do is catch a fish. That's it. I just want you to catch a fish. Like, that's it. So please listen to what I say. If I tell you to throw this, please throw this. If I tell you where to throw it, please throw it there. You know what I mean? So, like, and, and they don't do that. And so I, I would think, I'd go home and think, oh, if I was a guy, I think, you know, they would respect me more or they would listen. And then I'd talk to other guys. Or, you know, Matt, he'd say, oh, no, that's just guiding. <laughs> like, they don't listen. They won't do what you say, you know. So I guess you can kind of spin things and think, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, that's because I'm a woman. But really it's not. It's just they don't listen. You know, sometimes I'm sure some of the comments are directed at me because I am a female. But at the end of the day, it's bittersweet. It's a double-edged sword. I've got a lot of people that will bully me, men that are insecure and they can't catch a fish. So they see me doing it, then they have to, you know, make themselves feel better and say, oh, well, you're just holding that fish or that's not your fish or, you know, and so I get that a lot. But I also have a way bigger audience than a male would have. You know, so you've got to be grateful. It's like I said, it's a double edge or it's bittersweet because sometimes it's really hard. And then on the flip side, I have a lot of followers or a lot of friends because there's not so many of me out there. You know, there's not a lot of female fishing guys out there. Um, I don't know a lot of females that have their own boat, you know, and still like that's the main thing. Like uh, we were chasing, we were trying to get out of the storm. We were fishing, um, me and my boyfriend were fishing the Green River. It was getting storm really bad. You could just. It, it was coming, and it, it was coming on quick. And Trevor was like, we got to get out of here. Let's get out of here. And I was like, no, five more minutes. Just five more minutes, please. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, baby, because my dog baby, my Doberman baby was with us. And I said, that's why I bought a double console. He can get under the console. If it starts raining, it'll be fine. He was like, okay. So we go back, and he pops his personal best on top water <laughs> on a fat bastard. And, I mean, there's nothing like that. Getting your personal best on top water, uh, that's unreal. So. Uh, needless to say, he listened like uh, five more minutes really paid off for him trying to get everything put up, rods up, everything. And then we're booking it. I'm booking it back into the marina. And like there was a bunch of people, you know, that had come into the marina to get out of the storm. And it was, it was already storming really bad at that point. Rain's coming down. And I'm flying in there, and, you know, before it gets to like the idle point. And all these guys are standing around. They're like, wow, you let her drive the boat in this? And wow, you really did good and done and done. You must really trust her. And I'm like, yeah, that's my boat. That's <laughs> like, not, not his boat, but I appreciate that. And the, but I don't do that. I'm just like, yeah, Trevor, thanks. Or this really pays off. So like, if someone's hogging a spot forever and ever and they won't move, I'm just a dumb girl. I don't know anything. So I go on a trolling motor. They can't say if they're like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. That works too. You know, <laughs> you can use that for your own personal gain there 
And then he could be like, well, she doesn't know. I'm just letting her use the troll motor. But, you know, so you can really use that in your favor, I guess. Oh, that's funny. Well, in an effort to, I guess, keep this to approximately an hour, I mean, clearly you have the passion for muskie, and clearly you are all in as far as muskie fishing goes. Is there a tip that you, you know, typically we try to give our listeners something they can take away from an episode to try to help them put more fish in the boat. You have a tip for, you know, your average muskie angler that you've implemented or a bait that you've implemented that can potentially help take them to another level. Yeah, I've got a good tip. So a lot of times guys will, I've seen a lot of people when they're, they've, they've got to follow, they put on something bigger and you know, they're like, oh, well that'll get it to go. Well, here in Kentucky and your Southern reservoirs, it's the opposite here. So if you've got a follow coming in and you're throwing, let's say, a glider, put on something smaller every time. It's, it's worked for me every single time. Instead of going bigger when you're in, you know, northern waters, that tends to be, that's what I've heard. Like, they'll always throw something bigger on it. Here, it's the opposite. Another thing is, I'm probably going to get a lot of help for this, smaller baits here in Kentucky. You want smaller. So I use a 22 short a lot, and I've won every tournament on a 22 short. And what I do is instead of just, you know, working a straight retrieve is I work it almost like a suic or a dive and rise, you know, so I'll, I'll reel it in a couple times. I'll let it float up and I'll bring it back down. Every big fish I have caught, I have been slow rolling as, as slow as I can go. Every fish in Kentucky, when you've got to follow and you're throwing something medium size or on the larger scale, downgrade, downsize it. That works every time. And also slow rolling, whether it's summer winter, whatever, those big ones. And that's been every 50 I've caught. I was working a lure so slow that I let it actually fall, bring it up some, fall, bring it up some. And a lot of people are like, what? No, that you're messing with the cadence of the bait. And it's like, it works for me. So slowing it down and smaller baits in Kentucky work wonders for me, at least. I would definitely agree with you. I've been known to say painfully slow. I was just going to say, Brad, did you talk to her before you started recording? It sounds like she took, <laughs> she's in, in your school because that's what you tell everybody every time. It, it's amazing, but most of the big fish that I've ever caught has been when we're going very slow. And I think yep. it was a, a podcast or two ago I said... I use myself because I'm kind of a fat man. Does a fat man run to the fridge or does he walk? And basically what I mean by that is a muskie's no different. A muskie's not going to use a ton of energy to get to its meal. Exactly. So slowing things down definitely is something that people need to look at. And I see so many people, you know, whether I'm dieting or whatever I'm doing, but everybody has that tendency to burn. And so slowing things down can be a huge triggering effect for big fish. Absolutely. So I love it. That's, and it takes them more energy. The bigger ones, you know, it, it takes more energy for them to, you know, get the move. And they don't have to move, you know. They're not like the smaller ones. And so, like I said, all, all my 50s have come from slow rolling. I mean, I'm just, I'm slow, so slow that I'm only, I'm only barely keeping that bait working. And even at times, I let it fall. And that has been a major trigger, too, that a lot of people think, well, you wouldn't do that or you're going to get hung up or whatever. But it works for me, and it's worked both of my 50s I've caught. I've let the bait just fall and then slowly bring it back up, slowly get it going. You know, there's times where I'll speed it up a little bit, and then I'll slow it right back down. You know, but, yeah, absolutely. Going slow for the big ones has worked wonders for me. 
Well, that's awesome. I finally found somebody that agrees with me on the show. Yep, it's about time. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's, somebody's in your in your camp, Brad. You, oh, you found a friend. Awesome. Nice. Finally, one friend. Yep. In all the podcasts. <laughs> 27 episodes. <laughs> Finally, somebody agrees with Brad. Oh, that's awesome. It is awesome. Emily, are we going to see you at any shows this winter? I usually do the Kentucky ones, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have like three or four people in my booth, so I don't know if it's worth like the... I got no vibe change from my last one. The internet has really been the only thing that has got them, you know, in, and so that's been like a hard thing where I'm trying... If I've got clients that don't, you know, post, a lot because I'm trying to keep it a little secretive for my clients. Going to the shows other than uh, networking with other bait makers or other guys, you know, that's that's been the only positive thing. But the negative thing is like, a lot of people aren't coming to my booth and I, I don't know. That could be, you know, the female aspect. I don't know. Which a lot well, of people think, well, that'd be the opposite. But it's not the case. I would definitely say this. You know, guiding before we started the tackle company, it's like one, well, two show seasons, maybe even three before you start getting really recognized. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of people in go, if that makes sense. So I think a lot of people out there are kind of hesitant to just book anybody, but if they see you in consistency and see you go to the shows, it's, it makes the difference. Really? Okay. Well, that's good to know. Something to think about anyway. Okay. You can spend a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. Um, doing shows and running up and down the pavement. But uh, I, I wish you the best, man. I, I'd love to see you um, just keep excelling. And you definitely got the right attitude. I don't know. It's been fun visiting for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've had a good time too. If you all want to check out my Instagram, it's Lady Luck Guide Service on Instagram. And then Lady Luck Guide Service on Facebook or Emily Steen. Just to plug awesome. that in real quick. <laughs> What a, yeah, what about a what what about a phone number if somebody wanted to get in touch with you too? 502-598-8522. Well, so Brad, you want to wrap up then for a musky mayhem tackle? I think at this point, you know, we're I don't know, hour and 15 minutes in. Yeah, that's fine. With the uh, at a risk at a risk of running too long on this podcast. No problem. Certainly, I mean, we we barely touched the surface on, you know, tips and tactics or any of that kind of stuff out of her you know emily if you in the future when we're looking for future guests if you'd want to come back on we'd certainly have you back on you know your passion your story it's all it's all been great i mean it's probably one of the cooler stories we've heard even on the podcast don't you think brad oh hands down i I love the story it was uh it was fun definitely was thank you well that's i mean that's what you talk about going all in on your dream selling you know selling your house selling your stuff so that you can downsize to afford to be a fishing guide is, I mean, that's, that's an unbelievable story, really. I mean, it truly is like, there's not a lot of people that would give up the security to do it. Yeah. There's also not a lot of people that'd be willing to give up the stuff to do it. Right. So, I mean, my hat's off to you on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Brad, why don't you talk a little bit about musky mayhem tackle? Well, uh, muskymayhemtackle.com, or you can reach us both at Instagram as well as Facebook. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, check out our products. I guess I'll hand it over to you, Jeff. Sounds good. You're listening to Backlash Podcast. Find us again wherever you found us right now. You can also find us on other places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio. I think there was an app I found the other day called Overcast. I I never applied to put our podcast there, but they're there too. Easy place to download it and find us. For Team Rhino Outdoors, you can check us out on Facebook, Team Rhino Outdoors, Instagram. We have Twitter once in a while. 
YouTube. Check out our YouTube content. We put out new content every single Sunday night at 6 p.m. from, I would say, sometime in June through the end of December. I'd actually thought about changing that up for next year and doing every other every other like week and then bringing it all the way through the year. But we'll workshop that later. So that pretty much wraps up on our end. Emily, we really do appreciate you taking an hour and 20 minutes out of your time to come talk with us tonight. Certainly love to have you back on again in the future. Good luck with your guiding this year. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all the kind words. It's all the support I need. I appreciate that. It's been great talking to you guys. Thank you. Thank you.